0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky?
2: This is the Jabberjaw
0: Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
1: What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to take a quick minute to let you guys know about Rockabilia.com. I know you guys know Rockabilia. You've seen those ads with all the colorful T-shirts for all those bands. I know for me it was a big deal growing up in Alaska, back in the woods, where there was no Internet, and we get those magazines at the store... And I would do two things. First, I would go to Rockabilia, that big full-page colorful ad, and find the coolest t-shirt I could find, the band that looked the most badass. Then I would go to the page in, and I would look at BMG for the five or ten CDs for a penny. And I would go through and try to find those bands, make that connection, and order those records. And a lot of those bands ended up changing my entire life. Now, before the internet, you could always go on and look in those magazines and see those shirts. But now it's all online, Rockabilia.com. Great rates on shipping, the same great merchandise, the same amazing bands. And it's a lot easier to go check those bands out. For me, it was partially discovery and partially, you know, just becoming a teenager, becoming an adult, going through and finding those bands. So, one hilarious story for Rockabilia was I got my first White Zombie t shirt through Rockabilia. It was the black and white t shirt with the band on it. All my friends started making fun of me for wearing that shirt because they were getting into punk rock and I was still into metal. Now, I never got out of metal, but Rockabilia was there after the, the hazing got too much, and I went and ordered my first Green Day shirt from Rockabilia, which in turn started off my entire musical career going from playing Green Day covers back in the trailer in Alaska in the woods to the stages of the world playing with Anatomy of a Ghost and Portugal the Man. And Rockabilia had a big part in that. I know it will for you as well. I know it still does. It's nostalgic, but at the same time, they've been keeping up with the times online. Rockabilia.com. Check them out now and have your own discovery. Guys, Welcome back to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you great content week after week. This week we have the one and only Jess Margera from CKY, the company band, Jackass, uh, the CKY movies, brother of band Margera. Jess is the drummer for CKY and what a fantastic guest he was had a blast talking with him. Very stoked to have him on the show. Super, super interesting guy, really cool story. I know a lot of you know him from, you know, the Jackass franchise, um, you know, and and CKY being such a, a genre spanning band. One thing we talked about that was really profound uh, was his advice to other bands, and that was to not follow trends. You know, talking about how CKY is just as relevant now as they were, you know, back in the early 2000s and, and, and beyond, um, you know, always doing their own thing, you know, being timeless. That was one thing that was really, really interesting uh, to hear. You know, when I asked someone what advice they would give somebody, you know, just starting out or even people in bands that, you know, have been in it for a long time, just be timeless. I mean, it's really, really profound statement. And Jess, like I said, is a fantastic guest, had a great time with him and uh, super glad to have him on the show. So we are on peerpleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook, all those glorious social media sites. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the next few weeks. I'm stoked to tell you guys about when I can announce, but uh, there's been a lot going on over here at Peer Pleasure. We've got a lot of great guests coming up to round out the rest of the calendar year here in November and December. Lots of cool stuff coming at you, so definitely rate and subscribe on iTunes. That subscription gets you all of the episodes coming to you. You don't even have to think about it. They'll be right there every Saturday waiting for you. And, you know, the, the ratings help us absolutely on iTunes. In chart position, and uh, you know, just getting our name out there. Uh, last week we had Johnny Whitney from the Blood Brothers on. If you have not heard that episode, that was a fantastic episode. Huge response to that. Lots of emails coming in. People were really stoked. Uh, I know a lot of you were really stoked on that uh, on that episode. I know Johnny's been inactive for a while, but I was shocked at the reaction to that episode. And and uh, like I say, keep the emails coming in. The guest. Uh, the guest recommendations that you have, questions you have for guests you know are coming up. And one way to know what guests are coming up on the schedule is to join the Patreon, the Pleasure Seekers Club Patreon. That's patreon.com slash peer pleasure podcast. Head over now and get in on the action. Get some merch. And uh, we've just printed new shirts, hats. We've got a couple more designs coming and you know, you get bonus, uh, bonus content. You get episodes early. You get to know who's coming on the show. You get to submit questions for the guest if it's someone you're really into. Um, you know, but like I say, this is a discovery podcast where you know, hopefully, I have people on that you haven't heard of and you get to hear for the first time and really, you know, find something special. And uh, I've been able to do the same thing through this podcast, and and uh, really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. It's been a fantastic ride and it continues to be so. Anyway, so I want to keep this intro short. I don't like to ramble on too much. I like to get as much of these interviews on Adobe as I can. We only get that first hour on Adobe. So definitely, like I said earlier, subscribe on iTunes and get the full version, uh, you know, at your fingertips, uh, in your ears. The full versions are at iTunes. And if you are listening on Adobe, this is for you. Please go to iTunes and subscribe. Get the full, full episodes. Once again, thank you so much for coming back week after week. Thank you so much for those of you who have joined the Patreon and those of you that are going to join the Patreon. Definitely helps us keep the lights on. Really appreciate you guys. And I can't say it enough. I really can't. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. So. Let's get into this week's episode with the one and only Jess Margera from CKY. With
2: the air that's in my mind and in my soul, I'm driving blind. I've got a picture in the box and you're bringing me the whale. Yet the eyes of all of it's ununite me. Oh, drive and lie. And the first time will be the last time that you believe. I did, uh, um,
0: uh, Herbie from Valiant Thor's. That
1: was an interesting one. (laughs) Oh, excellent. (laughs) Right on. Well, I wanted to jump back a little bit and and just kind of, you know, kind of start at the beginning. But, um, you know, what was it like growing up for you in the Margera household before everything went crazy as far as all the attention and everything else? Would you have a, you know, a solid, you know, great childhood? Was it, you know, uh, an interesting one? Kind of how did you get started Um, from there, and then kind of how you got into music and drums and everything else.
0: Yeah, there's never a dull moment. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I got into music, uh, my uncle played drums, and uh, it was actually the first uh, concert I ever saw was his glam rock band in 86. (laughs) (laughs) Really? And, uh, yeah, I was was, uh, amazed by it, and then he taught me how to play drums, and um, my other uncle was the drummer too he was like a Nashville session dude for a while and uh, now he's a little too old to still be playing gigs but uh, yeah I mean so it was always around and uh, I I got into skating and all that too but um, you know it got to the point where I couldn't hang out with all these pro guys anymore Yeah, (laughs) me too guys no it's like (laughs) you know Kerry Goetz and Bam and Tony Hawk and I'm like yeah I can't
1: Oh, my God. So you weren't, you weren't as, as natural at skating as everyone else and, and went towards music, then.
0: Well, I'm like 6'4", and it hurts a lot more when you fall.
1: Dude, I'm 6'5". <laughs> I absolutely understand. <laughs> yeah. I never got off the ground. So
0: after a couple of gnarly falls, I was like, all right, I've had enough of this.
1: Man. what? So, I mean, and I know when you're in it, and you've had a pretty interesting ride, I mean, I know when you're in it, you know, you're you're skating with, you know, royalty in the skateboarding industry now versus then, but, you know, it was just probably normal life for you then with, you know, just buddies skating and then they all started getting, you know, a lot better and you started, you know, playing music and everything else. I mean, do you see that stuff happening as it's happening or is it something you kind of have to just look back on?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just, every day was like complete chaos, there'd be like elephants and uh you know they blow up a car or something and then for a while you just think like oh this is just yeah this is normal (laughs) (laughs) and then uh yeah i mean it goes by pretty fast and then um you know uh it's just uh yeah i don't know It, it just goes by and and you just think yeah this is great and uh you don't really quite grasp everything that's happening and and now looking back on it you know 39 it's like that was a pretty perfect storm of events to
1: happen (laughs) yeah absolutely man and that i mean i remember seeing that early early stuff back in my you know teenage years and and uh like these guys are fucking crazy and then you know just kind of (laughs) following it along and we all got into skating too but i'm from alaska and uh so we got, you know, this was before the internet and everything to where we were, you know, we get copies of these videos through a local shop or whatever, or, or, uh, you know, friends had them or whatever. And, and, uh, it was absolute mayhem. <laughs> it's one thing I thought is yeah. I would never relax if I was in that situation or in that group. Like, I, I don't think you could ever really relax or you're going to be getting. Oh,
0: I would just have to like turn my phone off and go somewhere if I needed a break from the chaos. <laughs> oh.
1: And then your family, I mean, growing up with that, I mean, your parents, I mean, I'm sure they were, you know, doing what they could do and they're getting hassled with everything and, and uh, but were they super supportive? I mean, is that, is that, I guess what I'm asking is the, the portrayal of the family on TV and in the media, is it pretty close to the real deal or is it kind of churched up a bit?
0: Uh it never stopped. I, most of the stuff we got, like when the cameras were off, like, and luckily You know, hopefully somebody was filming the behind the scenes and we caught it. You know, there's never uh, a relaxing moment for for many years.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's got to take a toll on you. man. I mean, like and and then CKY coming out of it, kind of an unconventional way to to gain attention for a band. And, you know, it's kind of a different path. Can you talk about that a little bit as far as, you know, how CKY kind of birthed out of that?
0: It was it was yeah definitely unheard of to uh, you know sell I don't even know what it was fifty thousand albums or whatever and we didn't even have an album in record stores you know like our albums were in skate shops and surf shops and <laughs> and you know we finally got the attention of these major labels that caught wind of what was happening and and then finally we ended up signing with Island Def Jam and um, yeah I mean they've, they've, it's it's odd to, uh, you know, build a fan base with no help from the music industry at all.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They they don't like that very much.
1: <laughs> sure. But you did. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Do you feel like the, the fan base is stronger just because it was built on such a grassroots, unconventional level? I mean, just like more like kind of stumbling upon it maybe than, than getting pushed by a label and getting kind of shoved down everyone's throat?
0: yeah i think for sure like word of mouth cold following kind of thing lasts much longer than getting hurt on the radio and then you have like a hit and then you know a lot of you know my friends bands that i've seen get massive hits you know you gotta really keep going with it or or else you fall just as hard as you rose you know
1: yeah you gotta put on a record every year and and tour constantly and it seems like you guys have been able to kind of do things at your own pace, take a couple years off if you need to, and come back just as strong.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, we we kind of, you know, eight years or something of, of not really doing much, and um, we booked some tours, and, you know, people are like, where do we book you? I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) I I hope, I hope we still have fans. I I don't know. You know, it's been a long time. And then we booked, um, uh, England tour. And then, you know, they aim low. I just said, you know, put us in 500 seaters whatever, be safe. And then it was definitely a great surprise to see that those shows sold out in hours. And then a lot of the places we had to upgrade to bigger venues. So, definitely a pleasant surprise to see that because we honestly didn't know
1: yeah well that's a good gauge for where you guys are at as far as you know longevity i mean it's what 20 plus years now and you know a good chunk of that with being time off what kind of what kind of things were you doing during the time off i mean was it more with the member change and everything else or i mean were you what were you up to during those years
0: um i i always stay busy you know we uh we filmed a movie for Warner brothers, um, this Christmas movie. (laughs) really, And, um, I did a record with, um, uh, Neil Fallon from clutch and Brad Davis from Prima Man two and fireball, Jim, uh, fireball ministry. So I I did that for a few years. Um, I toured Europe a lot with this metal band called Viking skull that I was a huge fan of and they lost their drummer. So I kind of volunteered. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just stayed busy. And then for a while, Bam had like a, a punk band. So we did a million tours of that. And uh, so, yeah, I stayed pretty busy throughout those years.
1: Okay. And that was the Fuckface Unstoppable, right? That was that band you're talking about with Bam. Yeah. Uh, how how did those tours go? Were they well received, or was it more, was it kind of just a big party, or, or at that time, was were people getting clean?
0: It was definitely a big party. It was was mayhem. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, we did, like, uh, maybe three Europe tours. Um, I don't even know how many U.S. and Canada tours. We did Australia with Andy McCoy on guitar. He joined the band for a bit. Brent Hines from Mastodon joined the band for, like, two weeks. (laughs) Holy shit. It was was crazy, yeah.
1: (laughs) That's insane. That's absolutely insane. You've had some, I mean... And with the company band, you were talking about, like, I mean, those guys were dudes from your favorite bands, weren't they? Like, I mean, with Neil and those guys, like, having that kind of access.
0: That's, that's absolutely what it was. I, I just was sitting on my porch drinking beers, and I had some beer courage, and <laughs> I just called all those dudes up, like, hey, man, I just built a studio in my basement. We need to jam. And they're all like, yeah, totally, let's do it.
1: God damn it. Like, that that's... I mean, having that, when did you start to have that kind of access where you could just call these Did Had you played shows with them before and then uh, kind of became friends that way? Or, or was it like, hey, you know, call your manager, hey, I need this number, this number, I want to call these guys up for, you know, calling up kind of your heroes and saying, hey, let's start a band.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of stemmed from Fireball Ministry did, you know, four tours with CKY or something. And mm-hmm. me and Jim, the singer and the guitar player, would always be the, the dudes at the end of the night rocking out pentagram and zz top you know and of course (laughs) we need to jam dude and then we ended up kind of just doing like i don't know six or seven songs um mostly you know demoing through email files and um then originally jim was going to sing and um he invited brad davis to the fold they were super good buddies. I knew, I knew Brad pretty well, but mm-hmm. not like, not like they did. <clears throat> and then, um, I was like, Hey man, uh, I just did a tour with clutch. Um, we should call Neil and have him do something on here. So I sent him like six or seven songs and I was like, just pick whatever one, you know, you dig and get back to me. And then he called me like an hour or two later. Like, how about I just sing on all of it? And I was like, <laughs> okay, that could be arranged. <laughs> So wow. yeah, it turned out pretty cool.
1: That's insane, and then you're in a jam room with your with your heroes. Like, what is that like? Yeah, I definitely. Mean, is it is it now? it kind of like an not moment. Yeah,
0: you're sitting there cutting cutting drum tracks, and you're like, Whoa, this is this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> Just a surreal
1: moment, you know. And oh my yeah. god, I can't imagine. This
0: all stemmed from a a, a drunken beer courage phone call session
1: yeah (laughs) which all also kind of the whole thing with cky stemmed from just absolute craziness you know is it ever going to go anywhere kind of thing to then you know beer courage like you said calling up heroes saying hey let's start another (laughs) band i mean looking
0: yeah i mean looking back on it it's pretty crazy to think you know it's like we did the videos we did the records we definitely gained some kind of cult following thing on a very small scale and then um Spike Jones is, comes knocking and says he wants to pitch it to MTV, and then this massive TV show happens out of it. And then before we know it, we're getting calls from Guns N' Roses and Metallica to go do tours with them. So, you know, and, like I said, at the time, it's just like, wow, okay, yeah, this is really taking off. And then looking back on it, it's like, that was insane.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, how? I mean, how involved were you with the – with the back end side of, of like Jackass, CKY, that kind of stuff. I mean, were you really involved like everybody else or were you kind of, uh, on the side and like, I'll do this and this here and there. I mean, how big a role did you have in that?
0: Yeah. I mean, from, from the high school days all the way till, I uh, know, maybe 2001 or two. Um, all we did was just film all day and then I'd do music all night. And then, um, that's why we ended up calling the videos CKY and the band CKY. They, they really have nothing to do with each other but it made sense to us because that was all we did.
2: Yeah. And then
0: um yeah, I was super involved with with all the CKY videos. I was I was on Jackass a lot mm-hmm. on the first season and then the band just took off and then before I know it I'm on tour all the time. Yeah. So it kind of took a a front front row seat for me.
1: Yeah. Man. I just can't imagine. That's just absolutely insane. I remember, I, I think the first time I really realized that CKY was a band, aside from the videos, was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, I believe, was the one that was, yeah. had that 96 uh, Quite Bitter Beings on it, to where I was uh, like, wait a minute. That's uh, a-
0: yeah, you know what that was? Uh, Pro Skater 3.
1: Pro yeah. Skater 3, okay. Yeah,
0: we, we were... Such a great soundtrack, man. It was like Motorhead, and uh, <laughs> 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 there's so many good songs on there.
1: Absolutely, on dude. That was crazy, and now you can pull them up on Spotify or whatever, and they have the playlist built already for, for all those those games. Which is yeah, I mean, but
0: that was just perfect because I think there's maybe 20 songs on the soundtrack of that, and people would just play that game for hours, so they would just hear our song on loop. Yeah, (laughs) you know, so so that really uh, yeah that that helped out quite a bit. (laughs)
1: Yeah, then that. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, man. That whole. And that started a whole nother uh, kind of subculture as well, even beyond skating, was the video. Like getting your song on a video game. You know. uh, Yeah. I mean, starting with skate shops and everything else. and, And. then going to the video game, and then, like you said, everyone hearing everything over and over again, just, I mean, on repeat. I mean, I think that was before you could pick your soundtrack or whatever. I think you, later on you could kind of pl- set a playlist while you play, but I think that one oh, yeah, there was, on there a was like,
0: 100 songs to pick from or whatever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, luck, we lucked out on being on the, the earlier one, three.
1: Sure, yeah. It's funny, man.
0: I, I got a bunch of kids, and, like, video games are, like, the new rock stars, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and YouTube, YouTube stars.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's this there's this guy Dan in the Diamond Mine Cart, and I mean, we just toured Europe, and this this kid was selling out like Royal Albert Hall in London and stuff.
2: Holy, you know, shit. we're
0: down the street playing the, I forget what place we played, but it was like, you know, down the street at the at the massive place where like eric clapton plays this kid is selling that place out just playing video games on a, on a big screen with an audience watching him
1: <laughs> that's insane yeah it's
0: that, unbelievable
1: oh it takes like the whole second second life thing to a new level where all those role-playing games where people just you know hole up in their room or whatever but then actually having an audience uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's outrageous and to play a venue I mean, like that i mean jesus
0: yeah, it was unbelievable. And I, I kind of understand. I mean, when when I was a kid, I, you had to go in the woods and play Army. But now you can be in a war, basically. Yeah. <laughs> a virtual war in your bedroom. So, you know, I'd probably be doing the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. But would you buy a ticket and go watch it somewhere? Watch someone else do it? You know, like.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. But you know, I'm not a kid today, yeah. so I guess that's that's the thing. I True. guess that's how they do it now.
1: True. So you you have kids of your own? <laughs>
0: yeah, four.
1: Four kids. Jeez. How yeah. old? <laughs> um, twelve, ten, eight,
0: and one and a half.
1: <laughs> wow. So you got I mean, you're seeing the yeah. same thing with like I'm talking about with the YouTube stars and everything else. I mean uh, it's a whole new world.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's like, you know, when I was my son's eight, when I was eight, David Lee Roth and Gene Simmons were like bigger than life, amazing people to me. And to him, it's like these YouTube video game guys that are the new rock stars.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Did you ever get to see any of those guys live when you were that age? and each day brings a
2: new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at
1: chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and
0: beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.
1: Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers Tier 1 tier two and tier three tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad free experience tier two gets you access to the peer pleasure past It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage discounts on merchandise and monthly zoom calls. with myself and other guests, we're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. Uh,
0: yeah, that was um, my second uh, concert. My first one was my, Uncle's Glam Band when I was eight years old Uh and then when I was nine or ten I went to see um, David Lee Roth Edom and Smile Tour
1: Oh, (laughs) Oh, Steve Vai on guitar that's insane insane. Steve Vai man
0: yeah it was uh, Greg Bissonette on drums like oh man Um, I think Sheehan was on bass it was like it was a good first concert (laughs) or second
1: concert did you go with your dad
0: yeah, my parents went um, there were people smoking weed next to us. <laughs> it was pretty fun. <laughs> I'm like 9 or 10 with my parents and there's like teenagers next to us smoking weed I'm
1: like uh. oh, <laughs> Man, that's a, that reminds me of back in Alaska my one of my first concerts at an arena was Easy Top. My dad took me to and a guy had a fake boot, like a fake uh, broken foot boot that he opened up and it was full of all kinds of drugs. <laughs> And he just started <laughs> passing them out to all his friends down the row. And that was my first, like, major, like, drug experience. Like, what is that smell, Dad?
0: <laughs> that dude uh, is like a, a wizard. He's, uh, he's going places.
1: Yeah. Who knows where he is now, man? That's...
0: broken leg. Yeah. Open up the cast, and you just have a whole shelf of drugs and a private
1: a flask or something yeah sure. it was, that's exactly what it was it was like the guy who opens his trench coat you want to buy a watch you want to buy this what do you need you know <laughs> it was crazy before i'd ever seen that so every time i saw that in a movie or a tv show afterwards busted up laughing because it was yeah so ridiculous and my dad tried to play it down you know like oh, don't worry about it because blah, 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 i was so young and uh <laughs> yeah, yeah hadn't been exposed to that yet but uh <laughs> good god yeah zz top at the sullivan arena in in anchorage alaska and that was a fucking badass show man but what year was that oh my god i was oh 10 years old so let's see it was 92
0: oh right on so probably the afterburner tour
1: yeah (laughs) it was rad and uh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was my first. I'd never heard ZZ Top before either. My dad was just like, "Hey, this band's coming. To, like they're coming to town." And it was it was so great. And and uh, a few months ago, Billy Gibbons and the uh, the BFGs, that side project he did, like that uh, more Latin infused project. Have you heard that? Uh no, dude, you need to check it out. It's badass. It's Taking all his like Cuban uh, music influence, and he started this band with two chick drummers. Like like under twenty years old probably. And they both play at the same time. And it's called Billy Gibbons and the BFGs. And it's uh they came to a high school in Portland here where I'm at and uh called Revolution Hall. It's a venue now. And I was literally got to stand right behind the organ player, like six feet from Billy Gibbons. It was insane. And uh yeah, that sounds great. You can watch his hands, you can watch his his technique, it's just flawless, but Anyway, (laughs) off on a tangent. Yeah,
0: I I just caught a record with Billy Gibbons' uh, Mirrored V. Um, Bam hosted this rock Honor thing a bunch of years ago, Uh and uh, Billy Gibbons gave him uh, a Gibson Mirrored V as, like, a thank you for doing a good job or whatever. So I come over to his house, and I just see the the guitar in the corner, and I was like, what is that? Where would you get that? And he's like, oh, the – the guy from ZZ Top with the beard gave it to me. And I was like, Billy Gibbons gave you a, a mirrored V? He was like, is that good?
1: Is that good? And I was
0: like, um, I'm taking this from you. You don't deserve it.
1: Oh, my God. The guy with the beard? So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Is it is, is that good?
1: I guess he's uh, not yeah, into really music good. as much as everyone else is, I guess. Or, you know.
0: He's definitely into music, but I think ZZ Top fell below his radar you know i don't know he never really got into the, the uh easy the top stuff he's more <laughs> into like you know european metal bands and stuff
1: yeah yeah it seemed like that was i was going to bring up a little bit later but with him uh the band that you guys are going out with here shortly or or very soon actually on the farewell tour kind of how that band came to prominence after you know it started getting pushed out that you know bam was into this band and just how crazy it is that someone can, like, one person can be a fan of something and really kind of push it and actually make it kind of go somewhere, it was pretty impressive as far as yeah. that coming to be. Like this, they're from Finland, right?
0: Yeah, they're from Finland. They're they're the only Finnish rock band, actually Finnish artist, I think, ever to to go gold in the states, and uh, which is really funny because, of course, Bam, you know, started a record label years ago, yeah, and um, tried to get them signed to uh, I forget what label it was but um, nobody would touch him you know yeah, <laughs> so funny and, and then finally he teamed up with the um, Bloodhound gang dude Jimmy Pop and then um, they landed a deal with Universal but it took years for them to, to even build any hype here and then next thing you know they have a hit single and a gold record in the States the only finished
1: band to ever do that <laughs> that's crazy that's crazy. Yeah. And now they're calling it quits and, and moving on? Yeah, I mean, it's
0: kind of bummed to you know, see them go. But yeah. um, You know, I get it. They've been doing it a long time, and uh, I I think they've been together for probably 25 years. And um, I don't know. I guess they started making a new record, and they weren't feeling it. So I guess they threw the towel in.
1: And- okay. And they're taking you guys with them. That's going to be awesome. That's a – that's a solid lineup, man.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. We've we've there's been talks of us touring together for years, but it just never panned out for whatever reason. Yeah. And then um uh, you know, they're doing their farewell tour, uh our our management got a, a phone call and you know, there's no way we could say no to that. Yeah. Their last tour. I mean.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You guys have had such a yeah. varied past. I mean, uh, and it, so you were saying earlier, you got offered tours with Guns and Roses and Metallica and everything else. Did you take those tours?
0: Yeah, we did the first Chinese Democracy tour. Fuck okay. <laughs> his head on guitar. It's pretty shit. pretty awesome tour. Yeah, started with a riot and ended with a riot. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> And so, I mean, touring with bands of that caliber, you I mean, you guys have done some big stuff, but, I mean, touring with bands that caliber, did you guys find yourselves getting pushed to the side or, or were you guys welcomed since they did ask you to come out, you know, treated well and everything else? I mean, you hear all the horror stories of getting kind of shoved in a corner, you know, touring with bands. Yeah, I
0: corner. mean, I, I heard all the stories of Axel, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to keep my distance. I don't want to get on the wrong side of this guy's, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and uh, I ran into him in the elevator in the Air Canada Center in Toronto. And um, he invited me to the strip club with him. And I had, like, one of the best times I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think the rumors are false about you, dude. You're a pretty awesome dude.
1: You completely so, turned uh-huh. it around.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I have, will never say a bad thing about Axel. He was nothing but a sweetheart to me
1: here. Man. That's crazy, strip club with Axl Rose. That's got to be a, yeah. a, a fucking record books, man. <laughs> well, do your kids yeah. do your kids uh, get into skating and music and everything uh, like you are and everything else like, or or kind of where you came from, or, or are they going? To, I know you talked about like the video game stuff, but is that kind of the direction they're going more than kind of following in your footsteps?
0: My son is definitely really into skating, and um, my daughters are into music. They play piano.
2: So uh-huh.
0: yeah, I guess to an extent they are, I, none of them like the drums at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try and teach them, you know, four, four beats or anything and they, they could care less. So it is what it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, at least they're doing something creative and, and, you know, moving forward that way. But yeah, that is, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Yeah. The my son work.
0: took guitar lessons for a while too, um, but it was like you know flamenco style like spanish guitar mm-hmm. and um and he was getting pretty good at it but then he he couldn't take the lessons anymore he's like his teacher i guess was like an older lady and and uh like older spanish lady and um he was like i, I couldn't i couldn't pay attention to her cuz she has this mole on her face with sticks coming out and anytime she's trying to teach me something all i can do is just stare at the mole with sticks coming out and i was like sticks i don't understand he's like, i guess he had like hairs coming out of the mole
2: oh.
0: <laughs> and he's like yeah i just i can't pay attention to what she's trying to teach me i, I just stare at her, her mole all day i was like all right well okay maybe we should find a new teacher
2: or
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you should have immediately shown him that Austin Powers movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <was> <laughs> yeah. You definitely did that, man. Well, you said you were you were doing a you did that Warner Brothers movie. What were you What were you doing on that? Were you actually doing production on it, or or? I mean, is that something you're getting into on a on a higher level as far as as that goes?
0: Uh, it basically was just Bam saying, "I want to switch it up," and you know. He didn't want to bring the usual suspects, um, and he invited me and Chad, and um, and Novak and Mark Hanna out for that that movie. Okay. So yeah, we we went to the North Pole. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Riding dog sleds and snowmobiles and yeah, it was fun. Man. Had a good time.
1: Awesome. Well, I mean, bring it up Novak too. There, I wanted to ask you. Coming, watching from you know, of course, the the public's view where I come where I'm coming from, seeing the amount of excess and everything else that the group kind of went through with whether it be drugs or alcohol, you know, rehab, you know, uh, you know, friends passing away. Um, how much of that were you into on that end? As far as you know, did you get heavily involved in the the drugs and alcohol side, or were you able to kind of maintain? Um, you know, I don't see a lot from you on that side of it. I mean, Novak's pretty pretty huge with his story now and traveling around, you know, giving talks and everything else. And then that that yeah. uh, BAM video came out recently. Um, I think it's the epically latered video, show, you know, talking about how real deep he actually got into it and coming out of things. I mean, how much of that affected you, and how much how far into that did you get?
0: I was definitely part of the party scene for a while, and um, but. You know, I, I I guess I started heading down a dark path and then having a kid totally fixed me. <laughs> okay. It's like, okay, I'm in charge of another human being's life, so I better get my act together.
1: So, like, <laughs> yeah, just straight straight away, cold turkey, just like, bam, this got to change.
0: Yeah. I okay. mean, that, you either go one or two ways, you become a total mess and you can't handle being a parent or you're like, all right, enough.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Man,
0: yeah,
2: so
1: okay.
0: And I think in a lot of ways that that saved me from a pretty dark path. Like I might have went down.
1: Yeah, and it seemed like a lot of people went down that path still. And and uh, I mean, having your life. Yeah. You know, I I know you you may not have signed up for it as much as everyone else, but uh, having your family's life be public knowledge as far as it, you know anything happens. I mean, everyone knows about it being in the public eye like that. I mean, was that something that really took some getting used to, and still does um you know like where something happens and all of a sudden it's all over TMZ and everything else versus like hey let's keep this quiet
0: yeah I don't think I'd be able to deal with what they deal with yeah it's definitely um you know for a while they couldn't even really go out without getting hassled or you know I'm I'm the type of dude that I want to go eat dinner with my wife and not get hassled all, all night and stuff like that and um And more importantly, I just, I wanted to be known for music, you know, for a while, like I pulled, pulled back because people would come out to the shows and they'd be talking to me about, you know, getting wrecked in a shopping cart. And I'm like, dude, I just played a show. (laughs) You know, like,
2: (laughs) what
0: are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So that was a pretty big turnoff and uh, it made me kind of pull away from all that for a while there.
1: Yeah man i yeah i remember once back i was a tour musician for about 10 years and and uh we were playing la once and we were cruising by i think it was the first time we ever went in the hustler store just randomly to check it out so it was one of our first times down there and bam was in there just ran just ran by himself no one there and uh i remember saying oh shit you're from tv <laughs> or something like that and he's like oh yeah hey i'm bam and i was like cool we're this band on tour or whatever he's like oh rad you playing over here cool I was like, cool, man, well, see you later, and he, he walks out of the Hustler store and gets about 10 feet down, and cars are pulling over, and you know people are running out of restaurants, and I was like, dude, that sucks so bad. Like He did not look happy yeah, at all. He looked it gets, miserable. It gets
0: pretty old after a while. Yeah. Big
1: time. And but, uh,
0: yeah, we were for, for a while there, morning coffee at Hustler every morning, pretty much, because Island Def Jam was right above it. Okay. Island Def Jam was the second floor of Hustler building. Okay. So we'd be there all the time, and uh, yeah, spent a lot of time in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny, like, drinking coffee next to, like, all these dildo books or whatever. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> Sure,
1: sure. But you're used to waking up to elephants and shit, but that's what sticks out is <laughs> drinking coffee next to dildo books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, getting back to the music side of things, I mean, the Phoenix is out recording at Rancho de la Luna and, and you've had some lineup change. So, uh, with Chad coming on as, as the, the front man now, I mean, how was that transition? I mean, was it something that kind of was a necessity or something that you guys really like calculated out? Like, okay, we can do this.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, we, he definitely, I knew he could do it. He
2: mm-hmm. just
0: for a while didn't want to, you know, he, he's like, I don't want to be stuck in a mic singing. you know, he's the type of dude that jumps off the, the PA system and stuff. Yeah. So getting him to stand still in relatively the same area was, was definitely a challenge. But uh yeah, I mean he's always been a great singer and sang on a lot of older CKY songs and, and the transition was pretty smooth, to be honest.
1: Oh. Okay. And this record, I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. like the songs are more songs. Like uh, the the like full pieces of music versus a lot of riffs, like the um it, it flows more than than anything yeah. that I've heard from you guys, and it's really kind of fascinating to to listen to the record because it's not a super long record, but the songs are super. Just, I mean, they're just a a full piece. If I, I guess I'm not Thanks, saying man. that right, but it's like it seems like more time was spent writing songs versus taking parts and putting them together. If that from a listener's perspective,
0: it, exactly. That's exactly it. We wanted it to be sh- short and sweet, punch in the face great songs you know like you said you know a couple of our other albums we we were more focused on writing challenging riffs or whatever you know like and we kind of piece the music together in the studio and you know a place like rancho you can't get away with that and we didn't want to do that you know we wanted to get in a room and hash out the songs and come in with our guns loaded you know
2: yeah so,
0: and you get a much stronger record when you do that you know a lot lot of the carver city for instance stuff did not translate live at all you know it's Uh just in the studio you can smooth things out and everything you know but live it just didn't didn't cut through and a lot of the riffs were so technical that it didn't it was just sound like a a mess you know to a lot of you 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 definitely felt it you know we'd play a carver city tune on tour and most people are like, "What the
2: hell was
1: that?" <laughs> <laughs> like when a van, like when a band goes on their prog kind of uh, uh, tangent for a minute and then comes back around. You can always tell the difference. In <laughs> yeah, the I answer. mean, uh,
0: yeah, uh, it's it's like it's I, I don't like seeing you know a good. Chunk of the audience go get a beer or take a piss during during. That <laughs> <laughs> so I mean these these new songs immediately you can tell the difference. Like we we debuted I think one or two new songs on our first tour in England before the album was out, and you know obviously no one even knows that the song is even out yet, and they immediately were getting like super involved during the chorus and. We'd have like a breakdown part on one of the songs and they'd all be clapping. It's like that never happened before.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Any any other you know, for the past few years if we've debuted a new song live, people look like a dog that's just been showing a card
1: trick or something. Sure. And down to one guitar too. <laughs> I mean, one guitar player is sound I mean, and you guys use the uh it's gotta be the what, the octave pedal, some kind of octave pedal a lot of riffs anyway, but that fills out the sound. Yeah, one
0: guitar is is a lot better in my
1: opinion. It's much less messy you know
0: yeah yeah and, and t- with today's technology you can easily take a guitar amp and split it in stereo so
1: oh yeah you know it
0: sounds like two guitars are playing basically sure and um but it's much more tighter you know
1: <laughs> yeah that's one thing i'm from the record immediately it was just it was literally a punch in the face like it's just hitting from the second it starts till it ends like and then i went and watched the the video and uh, the first video, and it's just like, this is rad. Like, this is really good. And I've been a fan for a long time and, and been a fan of, of all the records, but I can definitely hear what you're talking about on Carver City, and it's just like a big collection of just badass riffs, but not like full pieces of yeah. music.
0: And that's great for the guys at Guitar Center that are really into that. But
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, you know, it, it, it was time to get back into like writing songs that
1: are catchy and have great hooks and stuff like
0: that, which yeah. – you know, Carver City and answer Can Be Found definitely have their moments, but a lot of the records suffered from just, like, you know, writing parts of music and then putting it together in a computer. Like, that's, that's no way to do it, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, are there any any big regrets or, or kind of big uh, wins from, from the last, uh, you know, bit of cky as far as you know coming back with this record and and uh maybe during the time off or things that happened that maybe you'd change or you would do again that that you could give to the listeners um no
0: regrets and you know i I think our career is i'm we're very fortunate to to still have a career after 20 years you know and uh, mm-hmm. you know i think we've kind of done everything there is to do like on on record i mean we still have much more ground to cover, but if you, if you want like a technical, you know, musicianship record that we have that, if you want like catchy songs, we have that there's rock, there's more metal. There's, there's pretty a good spectrum of, of stuff that we covered. I don't want to be pigeonholed into, you know, having one sound or whatever that only works for ACDC. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say any advice to new bands would be um, steer clear of trends. You know, like it, You might feel obligated to be part of like whatever's going on, but as soon as that scene's over and and it will end, yeah. <laughs> then you go down with the ship. You have to, you have to not pay attention to what your peers are doing and just do what you want to do. And you know put the eyeliner down or whatever the hell is going on and just go on stage looking normal and, and just try and be timeless.
1: That's some solid advice, man. Solid advice.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's pretty rad that you're, I'm pretty stoked that, that a record we did 20 years ago, still is completely as relevant as it was back then. You know,
2: like, yeah. it doesn't
0: sound like anything, you sure. know, it's like a, Bands that I look up to, you know, Clutch, Ween, you know, bands like that. You can put on a record from the early '90s, and it sounds as current as anything you know anybody's doing. So,
2: yeah, I 100% just don't agree.
0: date yourself. That's yeah, if you date yourself, that that's it's a slippery road.
1: Exactly, and success will come. I mean, you, you work hard enough, tour enough. I mean, if you're doing something, uh, you know, uh, uh, at the network, we have a saying that. uh um, you know good content done consistently over time equals success like it'll come as long as you're putting everything into it you know and and that's solid advice man i've asked a lot of people that question and and uh never gotten that answer and that's uh really refreshing
0: yeah it's, it's pretty <laughs> funny when we do these festivals they have no idea where to put us you know yeah <laughs> do we put them on the punk stage do we put them on the metal stage what what is, you know where yeah <laughs> so we played every every situation it's pretty funny
1: yeah you could absolutely (laughs) play anywhere too i mean that's the that's the best part i mean it's just fantastic but
0: um yeah i mean it was a lot of fun on warp this year it was such a great lineup of bands like guar and hate breed and um sick of it all and mm -hmm. adolescence and some newer bands that were really good beartooth and new year's day and stuff yeah it was i thought for sure we'd be like the weird band but uh, we fit in pretty well with everything, and and it went really good.
1: Excellent. Well, Jess, man, I I yeah. really appreciate you coming on, dude, and spending some time with me today, and and you know taking time out of your day. It, it really means a lot to me, and and uh, I know the listeners will be stoked to to hear your story, and and uh, just to be. I mean, best of luck to you, man. I really really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jess Margera from CKY. What a fantastic guest. A great interview. I had a blast chatting with him. Some great insights, as I said earlier. Being timeless as a band is a great goal to have, you know, spanning so many genres, being yourself all the time, and being, you know, you have influenced people so much that way, and that's one band that has stuck with me since my skateboarding days back in Wasilla, Alaska, And, uh, you know, those CKY videos came out and just changed the way we thought about a lot of things. A lot of great music came from those skate videos and and that whole culture and to chat with people that are a part of that and a part of my childhood, um, and adolescent, I wouldn't say childhood, but my adolescent time is really cool to me and, and a really cool part of this podcast and being the host. It's one of the perks and, uh, along with those perks, joining the Patreon at, patreon.com slash peer pleasure podcast right now head on over get some merch sign up for one of the tiers support the show I can't say it enough it really helps and I love seeing those those uh, people come in and being able to interact with them on the patreon only feed get episodes early all that stuff find out who's coming on the show I'll say it one more time patreon.com slash peer pleasure podcast go sign up now Big thanks to Jess Margera for coming on the show. Big thanks to Bill at E1 for setting up the interview with me. Uh, Fantastic publicist. I mean, just a a gem of a person. Been able to work with him a few times and uh, just a fantastic dude. So thank you, Bill. And thank you to all of you for coming back week after week and supporting this project. It started as just an idea and has become a very tangible, real, fantastic experience. And I really appreciate you guys more great content coming next week. If you want to find out who's on join the Patreon, get to see that schedule and you can plan your plan, your time around that and get your questions to me for those guests. If you have them. So once again, thank you guys so much. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.